Pod, 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 Pod. Rugby Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual, but it's not as usual, is it lads? It's the old usual. We're back in the studio. More about that in a minute. We'll be looking back at all the action from the Champions Cup quarterfinals and ahead to the semi-finals this weekend. Plus, we'll be chatting to Finn Russell about the Russing Magic Show at the weekend and look forward to their head-to-head with La Rochelle. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Viore. If you're sick and tired of your old traditional workout gear, then I have two words that will change everything. Viore clothing. This line of active wear is truly unbelievable. And here's why. Look, you've seen me. You've seen the shorts I do on YouTube. I walk around. I do stuff. I listen to podcasts when I walk. I make calls when I walk. I like to wear comfortable workout equipment, you know, like nothing nuts, just like a really nice pullover, comfortable pants to walk around. Viore is designed to work out in whatever you're doing, but it doesn't look or feel like you're working out at all. It's so freaking soft and comfortable. You'll never want to take it off. And here's the best part. You don't have to take it off. Wear Viore clothing to train, travel, or lounge around the house. I do a lot of lounge around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash ringer. V-U-O-R-I dot com slash ringer. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. We're in the Spotify studios, lads. We are. Why are you breathing so loudly? I just feel well, you I'm about to walk from the station, so I'm still breathing. Very true. Well, luckily, I'm still breathing, yeah. <laughs> Feels weird. It does feel weird. Feels right. Been well, a long time coming. Yeah. I felt you earlier. It does feel weird. What's yeah. happened to you? What do you mean? Well, do we get into the crux of it? Or? No. As, let's be positive. Andrew, you're looking... Uh, I'm wearing black. You're wearing black. For the, for the listeners, I'm wearing black, which is meant to be slimming. Pause. Holiday. Yeah, there's no slimness in the black, is there? It's not been two years, though, since we've been together. We've obviously seen each other mm. around, and we've done a few live shows. But I'll be honest, I've not seen you both sat down. That's the the realisation, Andrew, that... We're back. Th- but also, there's a long road ahead. <laughs> I'm watching the sat-down profile. The long mm. and winding road that leads to... That could get copyrighted. <laughs> Producer Tristan's in the house as well. He's in the room. You might need to edit that out, because... We could get done for copyright. It does mm. sound unbelievable in the cans, doesn't it? Mm. And I'm talking the cans being the earphones for other people that call cans other things. I don't know who we're servicing here. This is what I mean, because audio... Serv- servicing? We, yeah, you can Can you say servicing 2022? <laughs> but we've become so good at doing it remotely Yeah. with stopping and interjecting. Basically, the producer being able to edit it. Producer Tristan being able to edit it. It's just happened seamlessly. It's the video, right? It's the video that we're hoping... Is going to take off, but the majority is listeners because we're Spotify, aren't we? That's we are Spotify. Big shout out cam- Spotify. And there's cameras everywhere. There's cameras over there. There's one over there. There's, we're going to be on the big screen shortly when we speak to Finn Russell. The worry is the biscuit at the back, I'll be honest. <laughs> mate, you sat back. down. Did you see it? I can see it, mate. Now, it's funny, isn't it? You're six foot nine in heels, mm. if you can say that, 2022. No one can see the top of your head, can they? You need to go and see my guy, don't you? Get the plugs in. I'm not ready yet. What do I say? The New Year's resolution. I said it was... Tags, hair. No, it was it was the two T's. <laughs> so 
What are the three T's? Teeth. Teeth, which is one. I'm sure there was one higher, no? Lid. L-T-T. Lid, tags, toes. Toes? They, they were the three T's. Scottish. It was the L-T-T. What are you doing to your toes? Have you seen him? When he goes to the beach, he wears socks oh, and slippers. All, I mean, they're awful toes. What, what can you do with them? Not a lot. Just get back to clip them, right? Very true. I can actually get down and clip them now. So. Talking about feet, I went home. I say home. Went back to see my folks at the weekend and see my dad, who's been in hospital over Christmas with COVID and come out. He's been back in and out and out and out. Uh, he has to have a nurse come and do his feet and legs. He's got some issues with his legs. And I saw this nurse on Saturday morning at my mum and dad's house clipping his toes. I thought, my God, what a woman you are, being able to do that. And I did actually think of you, Jim, because my dad's got horrific feet, like toenails clawing out everywhere. And then I thought, they look like Jim's, but a lot smaller. Mauler's goo. It's more as goo. On that, without getting too deep, it's first day in Spotify. We, we've got to be upbeat. I'm having an operation next week, I think it is. Finally. It's finally happening anyway. Been doing a bit of pre-op this week, having to go in, get the art tested. Strong as an ox. Did they find one? Hey, they found two. <laughs> Beating as slow as a drum. Is that, really? is that a thing or not? It depends who the drummer is, You've got a low heart rate though, don't you? I've got a low heart rate. Anyway... Enough about the positives on that. I'm in there and I'm looking around and hell of a place, obviously hospitals, when you have a look around, when you've got your stitches in Ibiza, there was a, <laughs> a few interesting characters in there as well. You mentioned your dad and you mentioned him getting his toenails clipped. That's happening to us all. Without going too far down, like we're, at some point someone's wiping mm. my arse. <laughs> some some point, sooner than others. You struggle to wipe your arse anyway, don't you? You go through the middle. We'll go through, well, down the front, Yeah. <laughs> Pull them out of the way, and I remember we had that conversation. I'm mm. thinking about this now. We're back in the studio. We used to talk about some ridiculous things, didn't we? And it just bounced. I'll never forget being on the train back from London to Gerrard's Cross, and some bloke just drops a, a note on my lap and says, "Jim's weird. Everyone should wipe round the back." <laughs> like that's where our podcast got to, talking about how you wipe your arse. And some bloke didn't even speak to me; just put something on my lap as he walked off the train, and it was Jim's weird. You should always wipe round the back. Well, that bloke as well. One day we'll be having his ass wiped. We all are. That was my thought being in hospital. That's that was your thought. You've got. I'm have... walking around thinking like it ain't ending well. Imagine the nurse and you're like, no, 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 not that way. Round the front, please. She asked front. me if I was a model. For what? No, she didn't. Balaclavas. I'm looking round. Gloves. I'm looking round the room and I'm thinking, I know why she's asking. Because you look like a coat hanger. All right, mate. Yeah. All right, shout. All right, Andy Rowe. Yeah, well, she did, and I just, I basically just said we, and that was it. How's your week been other than that, lads? What have you been up to? Busy. Andrew, we'll come on to your lovely comment on Twitter. I don't know whether you were taking the piss. I was doing a bit of commentary at the weekend. I was also at London Scottish Hall of Fame dinner, Legends dinner. And they put you in the Hall of Fame? N- no. No, and I think so. I thought they put me down as a legend on the flyer. So I'm texting my agent saying like, I'm going to feel a bit embarrassed because it's myself, Stephen Jones, and... Chris he, Jones. Stephen Jones has some Welsh laughs, Stephen. He is a legend. No, as in not him. Who no, then? Exactly. The Times editor. My fellow Times editor, writer. Clown. Well, I've got him and Chris Jones, and I'm embarrassed, right, that this flyer's going out, not just for the two Joneses, but for myself. Just be humble, Jim. They're inducting some London Scottish legends into the Hall of Fame. So I was a speaker there with John Inverdale hosting. It was the old school crowd, I'll be honest. There was a lot of boat shoes and there was a lot of tweed. And I just mixed it up a little bit with some skinny cov, black. Some, some cov. Yeah, a bit of cov, a bit of white shirt open, a bit of tat showing. So I was there Wednesday night, then commentating on Friday. How the hell have I managed to get into that, Goody? Well, I'll tell you how you got into it, because you told us all about it on BT Sport. <laughs> Fucking relentlessly, right? Really? <laughs> Absolutely relentlessly. So how did you get on it? Within 
30 seconds of being on air, I think you mentioned four times that you were captain of Gloucester in your career and you played for Saracens for three years as well and finished your career there in the opening 30 seconds. So that's probably how you got the gig, Jim, because you are the most relevant person in terms of clubs. But I meant everything I said on Twitter, Jim. Did you or not? Are you taking the piss? Just tell us what you said on Twitter first. He basically said, I'm the GOAT and I'm still young. Yeah, I didn't go, I didn't go that far. <laughs> I didn't go that far. Shall I read it out? Go on. So I said, I'm slightly biased, but how good is Jim Hamilton for on comms? on BT Sport Rugby tonight. He knows his onions, but I'm definitely waiting for a Jimism. Plenty of Jimisms. You got a couple, didn't you? I heard it. Tip the slipper. It was out there, wasn't it? No, I don't think many people got it. I'm like, that. there's one. But yeah, I generally meant it. Thank you. Very good. A little bit too many mentions of I was captain of Gloucester when I played for South for three once. years. I think I said I was I captain of Gloucester once. I won two Heineken Cups <laughs> and the parachute was going lower. I mean... The self-deprecation when you're doing your after-dinner speeches and then there's talking yourself up like you wouldn't believe on comms. But I'll say out of all the ones I've done, because Austin's burying me the whole time, and Sam Warburton, as we know, is a rugby great. We can put him in that bracket. Albeit Gloucester captain, albeit Saracen's legend, they said. Bit nervous doing it. As we know, Andrew, I always say, you're one of the best in the business at doing it. The interesting shift for me was chatting to my mate Deeks. One of the most least engaging blokes you'll ever speak to. Right? <laughs> ever. Hey, hell of a left hook, though. Oh, I'll tell you now, I'd only say that on, on the airways. If I said it to his face, the likelihood is I'll be asleep in three seconds. <laughs> but I'd jump up after four because I'm mad. And he said to me, after I did London Irish Quins, that he really enjoyed it. And he said, the reason why, he said, because you were you. Yeah. And I wasn't mm. trying to be anything else. And I think that that's the big thing. You, you Sometimes you do these things, you do commentary, and it's mainstream TV, and I do ITV, and you look at Woodward and Wilkinson, again, two greats of the game, though, still in that sense. And I'm stood there having the lowest win percentage of any Scotland player in modern history. And I think, right, how am I going about this, the old imposter syndrome? Just be yourself. And you either want it or you don't. It's as simple as that. And then that way you can walk away with the tail between your legs, and it's a big old tail. <laughs> and it's nice getting your tyres pumped up. But I did say I was lost the captain because I was getting rinsed on Twitter, that was why, for being Saracen's bias, but you can only say what you see, and they got hammered. Yeah, but you'd been on air for five seconds, you said I was captain of this club, <laughs> so I don't think you got your I phone wanted to set the scene, because people are like, why the hell's he on commentary, and I just set the scene. Saracen's, three years, lost the captain, three years. Is it the same approach you take, Goody, just be yourself? Yeah, just say it as you see it. Simple, isn't it? And I'll tell you what I did at the week, so two things at the weekend. Went on a charity bike ride with the Blue Light Cycling Club. Shout out to those guys. And oh, girls. I saw you on the light, correct? Yeah, yeah, embarrassing. I've gone on a cycle ride with Victoria Pendleton, multiple Olympic champion. Are you this size oh, now? Well, probably, he- <laughs> probably heavier. <laughs> pre- pre- we got the new kit for the Blue Light Cycling Club, oh, which my I'm, I'm an ambassador for, UK Cops as well, Care of Police Survivors, the charity. She's being able to talk and ride up a hill... Not even sweat. When they hand you a lycra at the start, are they laughing when you get they give it you or not? Or is it like a serious handover? <laughs> it's a serious handover. It's a bit awkward. I'm like, is that 5XL or what? It's horrible, isn't it, lycra? Absolutely oh, horrible. No one looks good in lycra. Did you finish the ride, though? Yeah, way back. Way in the back. <laughs> they were waiting for... I think they'd had their lunch by the time I finished it. They'd yeah. done a loop. That's We'd why. Gone, it was down at Sandbanks. What a place that is as well. I mean, you've got to have some coin there. Harry Redknapp lives there. Down in Bournemouth, some of the houses, just ridiculous. Lovely sunny day, got the ferry over to the island. Very nice day, bit of charity work. I realised I need to work on my fitness a little bit. Fairly embarrassed driving home because I was so far behind most people going up hills and I couldn't breathe, but it's life. Good on you though. And then Saturday, back at the Tigers. Can't call it the Andy Goode suite yet. 
It's called the Champions Club, so it's probably best known as the Champions Club. But I had that, and I had some old friends of ours. Harry Ellis was there. Brought his son along, which was nice to meet his son. And I just want to tell, when his son gets older, I'm going to tell him some of the stories about his dad. Because that bloke is an absolute legend, Harry Ellis. Shane Jennings, that we spoke to last week, he was there. Just reminiscing about the good old days. Before we retired and had kids and... All that stuff. This is the stuff we used to get up to in the terrace, Jim. Remember the terrace? No. <laughs> I do miss them days. I think about the Tigers lads a lot. And it's great to see them back on the top, eh? I know they didn't win, but they're back at the top, effectively. Well, we'll talk about that game shortly and the other Champions Cup games. But it's got back into the news again that the Nations Championship, if you want to call it that, the International World Cup League thing that they want to run, is back in the news again. Do you guys know much about that? Yeah, well... Nothing's been decided yet, but the rumours are out there, aren't they? There's two leagues of 12 teams, a sort of top tier and a bottom tier. I think Scotland are in the second tier, I'll be honest. You're not, Jim. You don't know anything about it. He's, I'm a bothered. I'm a, he's, he's I'm a bothered. I don't even know what's happening here. Uh, so yeah, 12 teams in the top leagues, which is obviously the Six Nations teams from the Northern Hemisphere, six teams from the Southern Hemisphere, which is obviously Argentina, South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, Japan and Fiji. There'll be a league system where I think you play everyone in your league, either at home or away, and then there's a final. You kind of quite like it. You don't want it to impact on a World Cup, which is every four years, right? So they're doing this one every two years. Why? Why are they doing it? Well, they're trying to commercialise the game more, aren't they? And, you know, make... You think about the tours and the Autumn Internationals. They're just friendlies, aren't they, supposedly? Mm. So do they really matter? Well, yeah, they do. What they're trying to do is create a league where I presume the TV rights become greater because there's a big prize at the end of it. So it's where the, you know, from originally the Autumn Nations Cup started a couple of years ago in the pandemic when it was basically like nearly another Six Nations, wasn't it? But obviously they've got the whole world involved. They're trying to commercialise it with a TV deal to make something viable at international rugby in between the World Cups. The one thing I've read, and you know, it's all hearsay until they come out and, and officially announce stuff that's been agreed or discussed. They're talking about the tier two stuff being played at uh, neutral venues. So, you know, you've got all the tier two nations, so the likes of Romania and uh, the Netherlands and Portugal and Spain and all this stuff. Can't say Spain. And then Tonga, Samoa, and all these other countries that are sort of the lesser nations. There will be a promotion and relegation playoff game. Um, but the, the one thing I picked up on and read, there's the big debate about how to split the revenue. And to me, it seems that what it's going to be is these 12 teams in the top league are going to get more money. The lesser teams in the challenger league are going to have to play a lot of their games on neutral territory, which means they won't benefit from ticket sales in their own country. They won't benefit from commerciality necessarily in their own country. You just want the wealth to be split evenly so you can actually bring some of these tier two nations like Scotland and like Romania on to develop themselves further because the reality of Scotland's a joke there, Jim. He's now staring at me like he's going to kill me. But no, I'm, I'm <laughs> absorbing the Da Vinci Code. Andrew. Yeah, but it is a bit of a Da Vinci Code. We don't know enough about it. I like the idea of uh, something being on all test matches, so a league format, and there's been loads talked about. We had Augustin Pichot on here. We had Sir Bill Beaumont on here, and we've complained that nothing's been done. Now they're doing something about it. You just hope that there's a possibility that the revenue gets shared and the Tier 2 nations get a big slice of the pie, uh, and it's not just the big nations getting richer off the back of something. I want to know who's doing the TV deal because I'm going to let them know that I was lost the captain. <laughs> <laughs> Got myself in the front of the queue. I mean, I was called tier two when it comes to media. That's what my agent said the feedback was, that I'm a tier two. Well, pundit. Scottish, right? I'll take it. Hey, if it's tier two, I'll take it. It's better than tier three. That's how I saw it. Goody, you mentioned before you are at Welford Road. Tell me about the atmosphere. Very special. A lot of Leinster fans there as well. A lot of blue flags. 
the noise was phenomenal. And it's one thing I've noticed going back to Leicester this year. And I, you know, everyone talks about the lockdown and fans being locked out of stadiums and players probably took that noise for granted when it was there week in, week out. And then you play in an empty stadium and you realise actually you miss the fans and they have a massive impact on the team, especially the home team, but also the away side, seeing away supporters and you know trying to quieten down the home team and fans as well. But when you get into an atmosphere like that, and the last two weeks at Leicester, the Tom Young's thing the week before when he's come on the field, you know the, the emotion and noise then, and then this week with Leinster in town, it was phenomenal for five minutes. And then Leinster kicked into gear and we're 20 up after 20 minutes and it was night, night, no biscuit pretty much. But the build-up to it was great in the corporate, you know, speaking to some of the old boys. Jono was just sat there, just came for the crack. Did he laugh at you? I think so, yeah. Apparently he's so. not happy with me and you. Why? You do know that, don't you? Really? Well, I interviewed him about three weeks ago. Was he, he all right, was Yeah, it? loving it. I heard he was filthy with us. What for? Well, he was at a dinner and someone was heckling him from behind saying he's got the biggest bush. When he's up on stage talking about winning the World Cup in 2003. Why is that your fault? Well, I think we said that he's had a bush on there, or well, you said <laughs> that. No, no, Martin Corry has. Oh, it was Martin. Well, they got the. I'm sure you said Jono. Well, <laughs> he has. He does. Oh, I, I, well, what do you think? Look at him. <laughs> I mean, so I don't know. I don't want to say. I don't want to be in his bad books. Of course. Well, we are in his bad books. But if he's all right with you, then maybe yeah. he's all right with me. The atmosphere was great, and then the game started, and as we know, Leinster were ridiculous. They won the game, a better team by, by far. I've got to say it before we even talk. Matthew Raynal was absolutely <laughs> shocking. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. The Compared ref... to Luke Pearce. Yeah. And that's what you have to compare him to. You've got to compare him to another guy that is refereeing a huge game in Ireland with the champions with a lot of pressure that goes all the way to, we'll come on to it, the penalty kicks. You've got to look at him compared to that. Yeah. And I said I was tier two media. He's tier four, right? <laughs> Based on that performance, yeah. Leinster were going to win it, right? Yeah. Leinster were going to win. They were the better game. team. So for Definitely. our listeners in Dublin, I'm not disrespecting Leinster's performance at all. Uh, Leicester didn't help themselves. Yeah, and we'll get into the crux of, of what actually happened in a minute. But I'm just saying, Matthew Raynal was abysmal. Yeah, I, I, there's nothing more to say in terms of that being a quarter final. Just not good enough. Yeah. Like it, it, it isn't. And it, luckily for Leinster and for Leicester and for the fans and people listening. Leinster were that much better that it didn't really matter because they would have won either way. Like the breakdown was an absolute shit show. But it always is with yeah. referees. That that wasn't the one for me. The, it wasn't necessarily the breakdown. It was the scrums. Yeah. The linesman, his mates calling in saying, uh, against blue, blue, blue. No, no, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we play. It was just, it's well, no, your linesman's there and he's trying to give a penalty for Leicester against Leinster. Genji, the poor lad, he's shaking his head. I'm shaking my head. And of course you are. If you you can probably hear the touch judge saying it. No, no, no. No, we no give. And my name is Matthew O'Reynell. And there was a number of things, but if you're Leicester in that game, and Jasper Visa, who we love, uh, I think he's a fantastic player. Love him as a Leicester player, and he's talking up the physicality in the lead up to the week, and then five minutes into the game, Leinster are coming at you with all the places that we said around the breakdown, one on ones. I think Leicester did everything they possibly could. I don't think they left a stone unturned, but that just shows you the gap between, well, obviously the two teams, but just actually the power of Leinster, which we all thought would have been the case. Austin thought that Leicester were going to win. No. I wanted Leicester to win. Yep. I can't remember what we said last week. Mark said that they were going to win. <laughs> I can't believe the absolute garbage that I now spouted off in the corporate hospitality suite before the game about... Yeah, win the fans. Win the yeah, crowd. win the fans. Uh, and I was sat behind the Leinster board... And in the first 15 minutes, they just turn around, waving their 
scarf at me. Did you genuinely think that Leicester could win? I thought they had a chance. Yeah, of course they did. At home, you know, the way they played, they play a risk-averse game. What Leicester did was they had opportunities. Their line-out went to shit. James Ryan back, first game since he got banjoed by... He was unbelievable. Um, Charlie Ewells. He was amazing. Leicester in that first half had plenty of territory in possession in the opposition 22. And, you know, James Ryan came to town, nicked the line-outs. They knocked balls on. One thing for me, looking back on it, Nandolo should have started for mm. me. You should have had Ashton on one wing, Nandolo on the other wing. Well, which we so thought, you, we, so you got we, a point we, of we thought they would have gone with that. Yeah, and there obviously went Harry Potter and Ashton. And you needed a point different. Leinster were amazing. Defensively, they're so clinical in attack. They can all play with the ball. You know, they all understand the game. So They're so well coached. So when you're playing against a team that is that good, and it's an international team, mm. you look at their coaching setup. Felipe Contempomi, obviously Stuart Lancaster's in there as well. These are all international level coaches and all the team are international level players playing for Ireland who are second best team in the world potentially at the minute. So Leicester had to take every opportunity they got. They didn't. And Leinster took their opportunities. Van der Fleer is just, if he's not the best back rower in the world at the minute, I don't know who is because Van der Fleer is ridiculously good. And they were so clinical, took their opportunities, powerful. Henshaw stepped up, Conan was good. You know, all their big names stepped up and Leicester had to be at their very, very, very best to beat them. Uh, and they weren't. And, you know, the, the line-out went to pot a little bit, didn't it? At crucial times, a few knock-ons. But Leinster fully deserved their victory, even though Machu O'Reynal was shocking. What, what did you think about the line-outs, Jim? Like, what went wrong for them? I think it comes down to quality. And that's why I thought that Leinster were going to win. And I had Leinster by 20 points. I feel our saying that wanted Leicester to win. But genuinely, I've watched Leinster this season. Well, many people have. And the backbone of that team, the majority of them players play for Ireland. The majority of them players beat the All Blacks. The majority of them players nearly beat France and nearly won the Six Nations. So when you look at that compared to Leicester, and I think what Borthwick's done and Wigglesworth and Sinfield and Deeks, they've got the very best out of what they've got. And I would have been massively surprised. I think Leicester similar to Gloucester have overachieved this season. You know, you've got to think they beat Clermont twice. You, you captain Gloucester? I was, yeah. I was, yeah. I was captain. Captain uh, Leicester 18, 18 as well. as well. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, and played three years for Saracen. So okay. I know what it takes to be a champion. <laughs> so when you look at it across the board, it was never going to be a day for Leicester unless something ridiculous happened. And Leinster in the build-up, we did ask whether it being too easy for them, the fact that they rested players when their third team went out to South Africa and nearly won two games, whether or not they'd be primed. And that was always the issue, wasn't it? When they played Saracens, I always go back to that game a few years ago in the quarterfinal and they got well beaten because they hadn't been tested. But I think this Leinster team, they're a different beast. For me, on the value of looking at the games at the weekend, they're comfortable winners, mm. I would say, at this tournament. Well, things were far from comfortable at the Aviva, weren't they? How good was that game? Amazing. And do you know what? And we, we spoke about it last week, didn't we, around the fact that if Munster lose, blame Ed Sheeran. You see, he had the Munster top on. Yeah, he did, yeah. <laughs> so Ed Sheeran's done his concert in Toman Park. With Trying a, to bring them back. With a jersey on to win over the fans. How many red jerseys and the wall of red were, were there at the Aviva Stadium? 40,000. Phenomenal, wasn't it? I sat there and I thought, actually, maybe it's better it's there because more Munster fans actually went to get and watch the game than you could fit in at Toman mm. Park. The spectacle looked amazing. Sun was out. Munster will be absolutely devastated. 15 minutes to go, you're 10 points up and then... Step up, Malvaca and LaBelle, the winger, and Zebo <laughs> didn't even get close to the poor Zebes. And that, you know, that brought it back into you know, a, a close game again. And the atmosphere was unbelievable. And to finish with a penalty shootout, just ridiculously good. Eh? If that was at Thoman Park, let's say it, Munster would have won it. 
Really? Why? Well, I just reckon they would have. I know hindsight's a great thing. I just think that that difference of being at home, yeah. whether or not the pitch is smaller, I don't know. It probably feels a little bit smaller and everything that goes with it, I don't know. I mean, it's easy to say that. I know it's a bit of a throwaway comment, but look where Munster have grown since Wigsville or Graham, O'Wig. Graham O'Rountree. Graham O'Rountree, since he's been announced as coach. It feels like there's been a shift now. And I looked at the physicality. Big shout out to Bernard Jackman. I retweeted it a couple of days ago. He looked at the nuances and some real specifics around the breakdown and how well Munster did in that area. So good. Omani. Omani. What a boss. O'Donoghue. You talk about fighting for your jersey, right? And again, on paper, Toulouse shouldn't lose to Munster. But what that come down to from this Munster team, and I know they didn't win, and we're talking as if they are, because it came down to penalties. But that out-and-out physicality for your mates, it was frightening to see and that's where it comes down to I know the URC were going back here if Munster can play like that against a Leinster on any given day they could win it right that, that they could win the URC and it must be difficult to play like that and come away with nothing you mentioned O'Mahony when he went off things sort of changed for Munster didn't it yeah you don't know how much of that is because him going off injured but for the reasons we've just mentioned I don't know what his age is now I know that he's not in his prime he's 30 odd and he looks a lot older than he is. He's got a lot of grey hairs, hasn't he? Yeah. He's Irish, isn't he? They, they get grey hairs early, I think. And he's been at the coalface. He he's been down the well. <laughs> he's been down the well and, and the coalface. And had his face battered at the coalface many times. Unreal player. Yeah, I amazing. think I just think that the way the game has changed, I've played against him loads and we had a few grabbing matches, but the way that the game's evolved and the stuff that I've spoken around, the breakdown and the line-out has come back into it a little bit more as well. He looks like he can go forever. I know he went off injured, but he looks like he's in his prime. Yeah. He really does. And he is a, is a fantastic player. And he's going to be in around the Irish set, of course, whether or not he starts. But definitely need him involved. But yeah, I mean, it did change. I, I don't think it was necessarily him going off. It was just to lose. You look at the team, you knew they were going to come back. Let's talk about the penalty shootout then. Oh, my. I was scared. Like, I'd be, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking... I come across as confident, but I reckon me, the sticks, a ball and a tee. Not a chance. I do off the sand, I reckon. Off the and sand. I wouldn't put, be putting myself forward. Yeah, I mean, brutal. But how, how you set in the game of rugby when you've gone and done 100 minutes, the try scored are the same. You know, that's the only real way without putting players at risk, even more risk. I like it though. Did you like yeah, it? Yeah, I liked it. I really did. And I like the change up to it. So obviously, three kickers. Three different positions, two kicks each. Well, we know that now. How funny was it watching Luke Pearce? Yeah, and the player like no, like no one knew, did they? No, not not really. Not and really. The, well, you talk about no one knew. Untermack when he slotted his one, he thinks he's won it. <laughs> 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 he's given it the big. He thinks he's won it, and then no one's running on the pitch. Is that why? Is that why? I think so. Yeah, yeah that's how yeah. it is. Because if you know you've got two kicks, and if you know what's going on, you ain't throwing your hands in the air there like you've just won it properly, are you? Well, that's what I thought. I didn't know. I didn't know because until they put the dots up on screen, yeah. like penalty shootout in football, yeah. I thought it was just one round. Yeah. And then the next one who yeah. loses sudden death. I didn't know until I saw the dots that yeah. that was the case. So he, his was the third kick. And obviously Ben Healy had missed one before. So he was slotted his to go three from three and he thinks that's it. He's done and dusted. So coaches will be prepping for it, obviously. You know, the chances of it happening again, I don't know. You think you feel for Ben Healy because obviously he missed the drop goal. Real tough drop goal. I just question where to lose offside there on that drop goal at the death. TMO, yes or no? Well, I haven't managed to freeze frame it, but I'm going to say, yeah, they're offside. Should have had a penalty. 
And he uh, missed the penalty before that. Yeah. yeah. Long kick, though. Why have you been horrible? No, he, he showed some stones to step up and try and knock <laughs> no, it from Totally redeem yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah, horrible. you really feel for him. And it's, it's like anything, you know, in adversity, you gain strength, don't you? And, you know, he'll put himself in a in a hole for a while. He'll be practicing his kicking from those two slots, you know, the 15-minute line on the right-hand side where he missed the two kicks in the penalty shootout and... It's hard on that right-hand side, isn't it? Because yeah. he's a right-footer. It didn't look easy. I know that... No kick's an easy kick, Jim. Yeah, yeah. the ones in front of the post are well easy. <laughs> well easy. Off Con- the sand. Hold on, Conor Murray missed one in front of the sticks. Yeah, I might have got that. We should do that. We should do a <laughs> kicking challenge and see. I'm telling you now, I reckon in front of the sticks... Do you sticks, reckon you can beat me? In kicking? Yeah. With a fused ankle, the fact that you can't even probably put the tee down there. <laughs> will you just drop the tee? I'll do it off my left, mate. I'll still beat you. <laughs> La Shell won the all-French quarterfinal, didn't they? My goodness, mate. Did you see it, Jim? I saw a little bit of it. Victor Vito was ridiculous, as was Lavani Bottia. They were the two differences in that team. Like, there's some absolute monsters in that La Rochelle team. And this is where, where Jim says earlier on that Leinster are big favourites. Well, they got smoked, didn't they? They got by smoked La by La Rochelle last year, just before the Lions selection. And it was that whole power thing, wasn't it? You're looking at that La Rochelle team, uh, you know, Danny Prizzo at loose head prop, monster. Winnie Antonio, tight air prop, monster. You know, you go through the Gregory Aldry, ridiculously good. Victor Vito, he's had a few injuries, he's back. He's finishing at the end of the season, phenomenal. And then you've got Bottier at 12. Dante didn't even play, he's there. They have got some monstrous players. So, La Rochelle were great. Bottier and Victor Vito were the massive differences. You know, when you're sticking the ball between your legs, around your back, over your bush, under your bush... Botti has taken about four defenders to bring him down. Montpellier put up a good fight. The game was probably gone at half time. They scored straight after half time and you know made a decent game of it. Obviously, our our friend of the show Zach Mercer scores, played pretty well. But they're a proper proper outfit. La Rochelle coached really well, coached by Rog, um, and they're def- massive contenders. Their only issue is they got to go away to Racing, which isn't in Racing. Where is it? It's at Lens Football Club or Long, however you say it. LENS because there's another concert. At the La Defense Arena. I don't think it's Ed Sheeran, but... Imagine if it is. <laughs> Hilarious. Sale looked pretty good at halftime in the first half. Second half, blown away by Racing. Which was going to happen. I mean, fair play to Sale. They spoke about it in the lead-up to the week, the physicality. So Racing knew what was coming. Well coached, as we know, and Alex Anderson. Haven't been amazing this season. But you look at the profile of the team and the South African backbone, McGinty being back, Faf de Klerk... Lou Diego mentioned the Dupree boys a few times, Manu Tuolangi in the centre. So you look at the profile of the team and you know that they can stick with Racing physically. And they did, like you just said. They did for the first half for large parts of the game. But where they're lacking sale is what we've seen for the last couple of years. They can bang anyone. They can bang with the best. Is that a saying? It is now. Yeah. Can you say that? I think so, yeah. bang, Bang with the best of them. Not the. You say bang with. It's slightly different. And they did. And they were banging them for fun. And you said that? <laughs> yep. <laughs> banging for fun. And I loved it. I love watching that style of rugby. It's tough to play, but when you've got South African players in your team, that is the way to go. It was similar to Toulouse and Munster. You could feel that Racing were going to come back at some point with the players that they've got. Finn Russell, just to name one, who I thought was brilliant. Magician. And they've been there and done it as well. That's the thing. I know that Toulouse we, went on, it went to penalty kick, so trying to draw comparisons to them in this game. But in terms of teams that have done it before, Toulouse, champions, Racing, how many finals have they been to? Two, three? 
they've been to a load of finals. So you know when it comes down to it, they're at home, that they'll absorb the physicality and when they get their opportunity, that they'll give. And that's exactly what they did. And it was actually, I don't think this, like they have 40 points put on them, like Alex Anderson said after. And that was the interesting thing. Really, again, Sale shouldn't beat Racing. If you look at the amount of money that the players are paid and Alex came out and said, you know, He's been on the good side of it, though, hasn't he, old Alex? Well, you could say that. At the old Saracens days. Don't want to bring it up, you talking about that. playing players. But oh, a, a 20 million or not? I don't know. How much do you get at Saris? Too much, <laughs> but not 20 million. <laughs> or anywhere near being able to input it in that. But he's got a point, hasn't he? Like, it's not sour grapes. It's like well, Sale played as good as they could. Imagine being, when it's Alex Anderson, and this is my gripe, when Alex Anderson was coaching Saracens, imagine being a coach at another club, Looking at Saracens, knowing what they were doing, knowing, looking at their squad, going, it's not fair. It's not fair. They're, with me on the bench, they ain't and saying you probably that. Looked they at ain't those saying other, that. You used to probably look at those other coaches and go, and? But if another coach complained about it back in the day in premiership terms, you're now like, oh, you're just whining, you're whining. Now you're saying it about Alex Anderson, you're saying he's what? He it, wasn't a decision it, maker, Andrew. No, I'm not, I know he's not, but. He's just polishing what he's got. A turd. What he, what he had. But no, put, it was good. They were good turds. You can put glitter on a turd as well. Well, of course you can. And that's you what can only polish a turd, but you can roll it in glitter, right? Well, however you look at that. Were you a glittery turd at Saracens? Well, no, mine was very runny and it was basically <laughs> at the bottom of your shoe by the end. But he has got a point because, like, how are you meant to do anything in Europe? We look at the team. So, right, we are segueing slightly, right? So, Leinster beat Leicester. What's Leicester's salary cap? What's the, what are they? It's down to five mil now. Five mil plus Supposedly. a couple of marquees. Leinster's? No idea. There ain't one. There ain't really? a salary yeah. cap. No. So well, it's the, the IRFU that run the whole ship there, don't so they? So theirs could be 20 million, it could be 25 million. I think it's around 13, <laughs> so my sources tell me. It's obvious when you look at it. La Rochelle, look at the players that they've got. Really, I know Montpellier, I'm not bothered about Montpellier. They almost threw the tournament when they got 90 points put on them. Oh, they've been horrible again. Toulouse, again. Uh, you look Toulouse's at your, wages aren't as big as you think. But they're going to be bigger than Munsters, maybe. <laughs> Because okay. Munster are under the IRFU. Yeah. My point being, Munster's compared to sales. Yeah. Leinster's compared to sales. The two yeah. French teams yeah. compared to sales. Oh, I get it. And I'll just say the reason for the salary cap, and I had this conversation in the office this morning with uh, a chap at work. What's his name? Dave. Josh. <laughs> and we're chatting about the salary cap. And clubs that have gone bust without a salary cap, no doubt about it. You basically, and we've, we've talked about it on here, every club is losing on average around four or five million quid a year. Someone's putting their hand in the pocket, wearing that five million quid a year. So if you make the salary cap even bigger, you're, you're wearing seven, eight, nine, ten million a year. Who's doing that? Well, ask your mate Dave, what's the point in the European rugby then? Who's Dave? The mate you spoke to at work. <laughs> Josh. Oh, Josh. <laughs> Josh or Dave. Yeah. But the, I mean, I get it. I do get it. We're, we're competing with different animals. But, the, um, but they're competing with different animals, but in the same composition. Like that's yeah. the, the whole point, really. You, you, you want to be part of it, though, don't you? But also, would you want a six team premiership? Because. Six other teams have gone bust. If you lost six English teams because they went bust, and you know, then you then get the disparity in the Premiership of one or two teams who can go and pay what they want for whoever they want, winning it every time. The Premiership then becomes dull. You have to have the salary cap in there to keep the game alive in our country as it stands right now. Because and the Irish clubs are different because the IRFU run everything, same as you know. The RFU, if they wanted to run it back in the day when they had the opportunity. And Scotland, Edinburgh's 3.8 salary cap. There you go. Well, we'll come on to hashtag always wasps later on, Jim. But yeah, so, so you know, they were they were well beaten. Listen, Racing were the better team. And, you know, when you've got the magic men they've got in Finn Russell, Teddy Tomar doing what he did. What a ridiculous finish that, that was. was. I, I don't remember 
I'm stuck for words. I don't remember a better try for a long time. Yeah, and we'll get to it. You know, Rassin always had too much in that second half, didn't they? Yeah, with the quality they've got, a few things went their way. Finn, me old volley, and then me old hack on. Do you know what? He looks in great. It must have been that Nobu we had together. <laughs> looks in great form and great nick. Happy again. Sale put up a, a good fight, didn't they? But Rassin just too good. Well, speaking of Rassin, we can have a chat now with the man who was pulling the strings in that second half, fly half. Finn Russell joins us. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. How good? Yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> Back in training today, so back to normal, you know. Chilled. Well, we don't want to get too excited. We know you've got a big game again at the weekend, but Goody said <laughs> that the Nobu that you went to in Dubai was basically the reason why you did that at the weekend. <laughs> exactly. A week's, hold, a week's hold in Dubai helps. How good was the week, mate? Because I saw you in Nobu at the start of the week and then a couple of messages and then very different holiday to mine. You were happy with the missus, just cruising, getting out of bed when you want to. I'm up with the kids at all times, but it must have helped, eh, after it's tough Six Nations and then seeing you back in sparkling form for Racing. You know, it was good because I was with, um, with Emma. I was pretty chilled out, you know. Had dinner and lunches out. You know, obviously, plenty of nice restaurants over there, but you know, it was quite a chilled holiday just in the sun next to the pool or on the beach. So a week of... Of rest was pretty good. Sweating it out. Did you see Goody with his top <laughs> off or not? Did he keep it on in the restaurant? <laughs> he kept it on, yeah. <laughs> uh, Finn, how are things, mate? Before we get into the weekend, how are things with you? Obviously, again, without trying to get a headline, but I think we should talk about it. I know it's uh, a while ago now, but with the Scotland stuff, how are you with everything that kind of happened during the Six Nations? Has anything been said? Where's your head at? Yeah, no, nothing's really been sort of said. Um, I just came back here and started playing again straight away. For me, you know, it's quite good getting back here, just getting onto a sort of different focus. Like I said, I came straight back and was playing the next week, so it was only, you know, it's like two weeks ago that I had time off. So for me, it's just being back here and focusing on the, the end of the season here. You know, it's like in the top 14, like every game is kind of must win, especially down at this end. So we have to kind of focus on every game, which has been, been pretty good. Yeah, and what about the Scotland pressures, Finn? And I'm, I need to talk about it because John Barkley said once in a generation team, I mean, we've joked about it loads of times when I played for Scotland. It was one of them where every season we'd say, like, this is it, this is it. It felt like this was it for Scotland in terms of way, the way the fixtures fell, the fact that we beat France the year before, beat England first game round, and it just seemed to kind of not be able to build off the back of that. Is there a reason why, I mean, when you look back on it, if you have looked back on it? Yeah, I've not really looked back on it. You know, I've not done too much. Like I said, I came straight back here and had to get into games. So I've not looked back at it too much. Um, I think beating England first up was great for us, but I don't actually know if we played that well in that game. We just managed to find a way to win it in the end, which is sometimes all it is in international rugby. But um, personally, I just don't think we really fired as well as we can do uh, this Six Nations. Right, we'll drop the Scotland stuff, Jim, because you, you've got to change the subject now. Very true. He always tries to bring it back to, you know, back in the day, I thought we were going to win. It's not about you, Jim. Let's talk about Racing. The game at the weekend, obviously, going behind at half-time. Do you have a five guys at half-time yourself to pull it back? 35 points in the second half, a bit of a magic touch from yourself. A couple of magic touches, actually, and Teddy Thomas. Yeah, no. well, first half, like, I think we expected that kind of physicality from Sale. You know, they were good defence, they came up hard. And then second half, I think, this when they sort of tired out, it left a little bit more space around the pitch. And then, you know, the guys that we've got, just, we've got that sort of X factor that when there's a bit of space in front, we can, you know, we can we can score tries. So, I think at half-time, I think we're in 6-3, it would have been, you know, that was probably a reflection of the of the first half that neither we didn't really attack as well as we could. The rock was long and everything, so... You know, back down to Sale playing well first half and putting us under a lot of pressure then second half we managed to open up. I just want to ask you a quick question about preparation for the game and playing against Manu and seeing I've been in the 10 slot when you've got a monster 12 against you I'm just thinking if 
fucking hope he doesn't get the ball. But Manu's a different beast, and he, you know, he was trying to run at you and, and line you up and all this stuff. But I think you, you got out of the way a couple of times wisely, didn't you? I was kind of joking with him before the game. I was like, oh, I hope it's just going to be miss passes all the time, just going straight to 13, and you're not going to run it straight. And I kind of, kind of loose sort of jokes before the game. And he said to me, nah, nah, don't worry, I'm just a decoy today. And I was thinking, like, I don't know if that's him playing mind games, like joking around it or what, I'm not sure. But I think it was like, I've been attacking him like once or twice. So it wasn't actually that bad. I thought their game plan would just be nine to him, run it straight at me, and then try and play off the front football. You know, I think in the, the last European games, um, Stats want to say obviously they've got Lil Mappy there at 12 yeah. with a similar sort of profile so Wallop. I thought they were going to do the same with him but no I've been quite lucky actually they didn't, they didn't target me that much <laughs> no. they targeted you a bit though like you were getting put on the floor quite a bit and they were rushing you and they spoke about it in the lead up in the week how much of that did you see and how do you prepare for that are you bothered by stuff like that no I don't really mind it I mean yeah they put me under pressure they flew up and it was more you know they'd, they'd sort of I'd pass it and they'd hit me late off the ball or if I kicked it they'd try and hit me after I've kicked it um when I was in the defensive line, you could hear them saying their spin kind of go after them or same thing on attack. So You could hear them. Who was saying that? Uh, Tom Curry was saying that one time when he, I caught the high ball and he smashed me after that. And he was trying to give me a little bit of lip, which is quite funny. Is that when you patted him on the head as well? Uh, it might have been. No, that was, that was another time he gave a penalty away and I was kind of trying to wind him up. But, um... Tell me you told him, though, when he did that, that you've beaten England the last two times you've played them. <laughs> <laughs> never came up in the conversation then, but... Uh... I'll need to remind them that for playing again. Yeah, because it's interesting people putting players down your channel, right? And again, I'm going to talk you up here. Like, you're one of the best tackling tens in the world. So I don't know why people would have the idea to be putting runners down your channel when you're one of the best chop tacklers around. Is Manu a bit different? Like, is, is the worry when you have a player like Manu or does no one bother you coming down that channel? No one really bothers me. I think it just depends where you're around mentally. You know, from there mentally, you know, it's a quarter, quarterfinal Europeans. So I know I'm just going to have to try and tackle and if you have to get injured or whatever, it's just that's how it goes sometimes, you know. So, like I say, they didn't actually run on straight that many times, which is good. But I think if, you know, defence, if you're kind of, the team's mentally there, then you'll be fine. If in doubt, shout your man. That's all I ever did. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the flip side of it, they're trying to put pressure on you when you've got ball in hand. That's something you love, right? You love bringing defences onto you and there's plenty of sort of crossfield kicks, little kicks in behind. Let's talk about the, the one magic touch then between you and... Teddy Thomas, he shaved his lid. That's one, one thing made him quicker. Yeah. But that touch from you across to him was brilliant, and then he drops it on his toe. Is he that sort of player day in day out at training, or was that a complete fluke? He's a skillful player, and I think when he's got confidence and he's on, he's I'd say one of the best, if not the best winger in the world. Um, like he showed in the weekend, you know, he can go round players, can go over them. He's got the skills like that to, to finish things off. So you know that sort of stuff we spoke about before the game and then during the game about then coming up hard on the outside and these sort of short kicking kicks in behind or put them under pressure like no on the night he tried a couple of times one to Teddy one to Juan it was something that we had there to look at so I think it's kind of down to everyone being on the same page and that little bit of X factor of Teddy being able to pick it up finish it and you know that bit of skill kicking it through when he's almost in touch it's just kind of everyone being on the same page and being able to execute and I hear he's off to La Rochelle next year in he Teddy Tomer yeah he's going to La Rochelle yeah some bant this week then eh a couple of boys going to La Rochelle next year I think so um yeah, it'd be an interesting game. Obviously, Donica Ryan and Ron Ro- Ro- Magara were at Racing as well before, so yeah, big game for, for both teams and, and individuals. And looking forward to this weekend's game, you had Manu Tolangi last week, you're going to have Lavani Bottier coming at you possibly this week. He was ridiculously good uh, against Goody's Montpellier. favourite player. He is yeah. one of my favourite players. I'd yeah. hate to play against him, but Bottier is some monster. How are you going to go about chopping him down? Because he is powerful as they come. Yeah, well, it'll either be him or Dante. So Could be both, mate. Good luck. 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> on the Six Nations against France, Dante ran over me once, I think. Maybe even twice, I can't remember. But no, yeah, I bought it. He, I think he scored for last week as well, didn't he? On the yeah. other two, was that? Um, nah, he's 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 like a back row there at centre, doesn't he? He can you know tackle, can run, can can pass, can get over the ball. He's you know he's a brilliant player, so Dante. So yeah, would have, would, I don't know, have to be ready for them coming down that ten channel as usual. So Finn, how much say do you get in that team? You look look at that Paris team, and I'm not saying that you look like a different player when you play for Racing, because I think you play the same how you play for Scotland, but it's potentially the framework that you're in. How much say do you have at Racing? How much do they give you the keys to the kingdom? Mike's pretty good, you know, Mike's got structure in place, but at the same time, we've got the, the options around it. And especially at the weekend there against Sale, that was like, we said usually maybe up to the halfway, we'll kick the ball or whatever, but against Sale, we're saying, off three starts, let's just go straight away. Like, kind of, there's cross kicks that are on from your own 22, so just go for it. So I think it, it might change week to week, depending on who you're playing, but Mike, you know, obviously he's the one that's leading the attack. I've worked really closely with him. I'll have my say to him, and then he's also the one that presents it, but I'll be chatting to him throughout the whole week. He'll, you know, he'll send me stuff. Um, like yesterday, we sent him through the plays and stuff for this week. So we've got a really good relationship for that. I get on really well with all the backs, so I can kind of chat to them about how I need them to work or what I need to, to kind of look for in the in the attack. But I think again, most boys are on the same page. And with the X factor we've got there, like if it doesn't really go as planned, the guys are generally good enough to get out of a situation and make it all right. So it's pretty easy. Yeah, it does look pretty easy playing in that back line. And talking about the Galacticos, obviously you've got Fiku and you've got Vakatawa and him off these boys, but two of the boys that really shone at the weekend were the scrum half Legaric and Max Spring at fullback. For people that don't see too much top 14 rugby, these are two real young guys that have come sort of through the academy and stuff at Racing as well, which isn't potentially that well known from outside, but they were worldy players at the weekend, weren't they? They both actually just came back from injury maybe four weeks ago or five weeks ago. And um, Nolan came back from, I think both of them came back from shoulder rocks. Making your tackles. Exactly. That's <laughs> the right <laughs> way. But in fact, the first game back Max had was um, against La Rochelle. And I think the coach's question was like, but what if Phil Skelton breaks through? Will he be able to tackle him? Good luck. And I'm thinking like, what, what? <laughs> Will Skelton breaking through? <laughs> Not that he can't, but I mean, that was quite funny. Like Max is obviously a lot smaller than Will Skelton. That yeah. was the question. I think anyone struggled to tackle him. But um, now they're brilliant. They come through the academy, like you said. They're only like 21, 22. I think they've both got, you know, a lot of confidence, but they back it up with, uh, you know, the performances at the weekend. Like, no one's, he's full of confidence, but he's making line breaks. He can kick, he can run, he can tackle, he can do everything pretty much. And Max, the fullback, you know, he showed his class. He's a, he's a left footer, so he's great to have for um, for putting teams under pressure through the kicking side of it, as well as running with the ball. He's, he's really good. So I think it's, it's probably the same with a lot of young, young kids coming through. If they actually get a game and prove what they can do, they're able to show it. I think sometimes you'll get, let's say if Curtly Beal wasn't injured, would Max Spring be playing with TV showing how much, he, or how, what he can really do, you know? I think if you give a lot of young boys, or not just young boys, they give a lot of boys a chance and they can actually prove what they can do. So they've been good having a run of games together and, and within the team. Have you noticed that with French rugby as a whole, because it seems like it's kind of the power base now for European rugby, there's a lot of young players coming through. Have you noticed a structural improvement in the way that they're bringing those players through in recent years? Yeah, well, I don't know about other teams, but I know at Racing they've got a really good academy system. I think, you know, Joe Rukakoko's in there um, and a couple of other boys coaching them to bring them through. And you did quite all, like last week, it was pretty much an academy team training against us because we had the 23 running the plays and everything the whole week. So it was like academy training against us. So even having a week like that or two weeks like that will bring them up and bring them to the level that they need to be at for, for the games. And with it being a long season here, you know, you'll go through 45, 50 players probably throughout the year. So 
every year if you're one of the better or kind of academy guys, you, you'll you'll get a couple of games at least um, during international windows with injuries or or whatever. So I think there's a, a really good relationship there between the academy and the the pro team at Racing anyway. Which then when these boys are needed to come through, they're they're ready to go. Finn, you sound like you're loving it there, mate. But there are rumours out there that potentially the Prem, Japan, after your year up, the fact that Eddie Jones is going, that you might run away. <laughs> I know we've got a long way to get there, but we don't know when we're going to get you again. So what's the appetite like to stay? Are you keen to try something else? Are you happy to play under Eddie? Four questions in one. That would be a thing. I mean, the coaching system or system setup may be changing here. So that would be a, a part of the, my decision. Whether I've still got next year my contract, but whether or not I was to stay or to leave or whatever, like the coaching part could, could play an impact in that. Um, obviously, like I said, I work so closely with Mike, him even having a new attack coach coming that could be completely different for me. And it might be a system that uh, you know, I really don't like, I don't agree with or, or whatever it is. So yeah, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm keen to stay, but there's a few things that um, I'm waiting to see um, kind of what happens in the next maybe a few weeks or year or whatever it is. And what about the amount of games, Finn, that you're playing? I think I've got down here that you've played 28 games this season. And there's talk about extending the season now. We were just talking about this new Nations Championship that they're talking about as well. Not that you have to know much about that, but it will mean effectively more games. Like, how are you? And I say that, I spoke to Ebenezer Beth a couple of weeks ago, and he said that the max games he thinks anyone should play is 25-26. You're two more than that. You've got a, a long season to go still. And if you tour in the summer, what are your views on the amount of games that you're having to play? I think it's different for me as a 10. Physically, it's doesn't have that much of an impact on me. It's more the mental side of it and having a long season. And I think, but having big squads and like the depth that we've got in the squad, you know, I got a week off a few weeks ago. Total gave me a week off during the Six Nations, which was great. So I think if, if the players are managed well, you, you can do these games. And I think, you know, for me signing in France, but playing with Scotland, you know, I, I could potentially go back to Scotland and get looked after more by playing less games, you know, so not having a shorter season, but playing less games per season. But then that's up to me and my decisions. So for me, I've, I've prefer being over here, playing more games, but playing for Racing and living over here. But then again, it's, it's different to everyone, you know, Evan, he's a, a second row, he's, you know, physically going to be knackered after every game as well. I don't know if he drives the line-outs or what, he's probably got to be, be switched on for all the line-out stuff and everything that's going on there. So it, it might change, you know, player to player, but also position to position. And three test tour to Argentina, somewhere in the, if you're going anywhere near Salta, Unbelievable nightclub, sushi restaurant that turns into a nightclub from about 10 years ago. Get yourself on that trip. <laughs> you keen to go on tour as well? Because the end of a horrendously long season for you off the back of the Lions last year as well. It, you'll be keen to get that Scotland jersey back on, right? Yeah, um, I've been thinking about that. It depends how the season here goes at Racing. You know, if you were, you know, there's still a chance that we you know, could lose this weekend, lose the next weekend against Montpellier and be out of the the top 14 and Europe, so our season, you know, I might only have two or three games more left, depending on how we go. If we're to get to the final of both tournaments, we've got about seven more games, so uh, it would depend on how the next next few weeks go here and see how that goes first and, and then have a think, obviously, about the next season and, and what's maybe best for me. Seven more games, that's 35, Jimmy, they played. He's earning those Euros, isn't he? Oh, mate. And the Lambo. <laughs> if, you go, if you go based on the... <laughs> if you're going to keep punishment again, the salary cap needs to go up. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, if you type in top highest earners on Google, Finn's in the top three. There so you go. What it's absolutely fine. Uh, Finn, just lastly from me before you go, Henry Arundel's try at the weekend against Toulon that's gone viral. Did you know he's Scottish? Would you advise him to play for Scotland if he's only allowed one beer? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know he's Scottish, but I saw the try. Yeah, definitely should play with Scotland. 
Hoggy's gone. Hoggy's got to go, hasn't he? Is it a fullback? I thought he was a winger. He played fullback as well. Yeah, they said that, you've, you know, yeah, we've got Duan, Darcy, Hoggy. We've got some good wingers <laughs> uh, and fullbacks, obviously. So I don't know, it could be a case where he goes to the England squad and then comes and plays for Scotland after and claims it's always with the play Scotland. Or, <laughs> you know, as you know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Finn, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. And best of luck against La Rochelle this weekend. Thank you. Cheers, Finn. Cheers, Finn. Cheers. See you in Thanks, mate. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes... You know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Top lad. Yeah. We said it, really it together is. this time did, because yeah. we're, we're, we're not remote, so no, we can exactly. do it exactly the same time. Mate, he's, a, he's a hell of a boy, isn't he? Like, uh, and I go back, to, we were chatting in Nobu, and he said it there, and he's, you know, he's so relaxed about everything, and he's just a player that he wants to be. And one of the things he said about the coaching at Rassim, you know, he wants to play somewhere where he agrees with the philosophy. And if you've got a player like Finn Russell, who is ridiculously talented, some might think he's too laid back, but on the big stage, he pulls rabbits out hats and he's the magician right same thing Marcus Smith in England the worst thing Racing could do is get Eddie Jones because you're going to lose Finn Russell potentially basically that's what he said (laughs) (laughs) and you're going to play the complete opposite rugby of what we watch Racing do week in week out imagine like Vakatawa and Fiku and Finn Russell and Juan Imhoff and Max Spring at fullback going oh just kick and chase lads that's what that's the way you play bloody raggers mate Eddie Jones here just kick it and chase it but anyway back to Finn what a ledge Enjoyed his company in Nobu. He's a good lad, and he? He's just a normal lad who is, if you Google it, I think he's in the top five. Top three. I mean, not top, that that's the thing. Top I don't, three. It's, it's not a thing, but... It is when you got a Lambo. When I saw it, I was like, 
He deserves it. Yeah, that's how good he is. Yeah. And he took a lot of stick. He probably didn't want to go into it. He definitely didn't want to go into it. You could tell. You straight in for the Scotland. Yeah, uh, how many like, beers? But the thing is, he's under. He's one of the most famous people in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, off the back of, you know, who he is, the way that he plays. He's everyone's favourite players. Yeah. Him, Hoggy, Hamish and Jim. Like, there's, there's a group of us. <laughs> <laughs> there's a group of us so whose names just roll off the tongue. Let's go him, Hoggy and Hamish. I'll tell you, it's so funny. I was at the airport and this de- the bloke came up to me and said, oh, um, brought his son over. Nice to like, see you, Sweno. His son, son try and get a picture. And I said, do you know who I am? So his son didn't have a clue. I was like, mate, why are you making him get a picture of me? <laughs> He's got no idea. Who's your favourite player? Finn. Of course it is. I know Finn. I said, actually, I've got Finn on the podcast, but... I am interested to see how things unfold with him in Scotland because as a part of it, it's like, would you want to be in that environment if you're not happy? Do you know what I mean? And we've seen players like leave international teams when they're not happy. Do you if, know what I mean? If you can only have four beers, I wouldn't be in it. Professional. But anyway, uh, there's an undeniable look at the weekend and uh, he's obviously a good mate. You're now best mates with him having shared. Well, you didn't share anything with I him. I didn't did share you? any food no with food. him. Did we share desserts? No, I ate all my desserts as well. Um, we had a load of desserts at the table. Yeah, he's a lovely bloke. How do you think they'll get on against La Rochelle this weekend? Hard to call. Very I, hard. I, I find because of the French psyche that's still within me. And hey? yeah, you, you, you're French now? Well, it was a, a year. A you year. played for Montpellier and you said it was fucking the worst year of your life. It was the worst year of my life, Andrew. I had a swimming pool in my back garden and drove a Harley Davidson. Like, in terms of. Rugby wise, it was wise. the worst year of your life. Yeah, but it made me better in, as and a human. Significantly wealthier. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's part of it. That's I went for the wrong reasons, which I shouldn't have done. But my point being, you've got a team, and I'm going to go back over it. Montpellier had 90 points put on them by Leinster, and they were top of the top 14. Mm. I've struggled to read how French teams will do and I would prefer the two French teams not to play each other it'd be interesting because obviously there is a few links there there's a couple of lads and I mentioned it and then Teddy Thomas going to La Rochelle next season you know he, he's been wonderful for Racing uh, obviously O'Gara's coming back he's now head coach he was at Racing coaching for a while wasn't he and you saw you listened to his interview after the game Finn's interview and he said this is you know they're desperate to win the Champions Cup, they've been to at least three finals. Leinster beat them, you beat them. I say you, Saracens Thank beat you. them. Oh, okay. Exeter beat them. Yeah. That's at least three. I no. think it is three. And they've, they've been to semis as well, obviously, and quarters, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, it's the big one for them, isn't it? I just look at that La Rochelle team. I think it's La Rochelle's time. Call it. Rassin. La Rochelle. <laughs> I'll just, I love Bottier. Bottier's the best player in the world for me. By how much? One oh. point. <laughs> Nothing in it. Score. Whatever that means. What about another penalty kickoff? How about that? How could I'd that love that. Finn will probably do it with his back heel it in. Yeah, and he's over. always left. Leinster, how much are they going to beat Toulouse by, do you think? Whoa, th- you think so? I think Leinster will beat yeah. Toulouse. I do as well. Where's the game at? Aviva. There you go. Yeah. If you look at the form of a team, I'm picking Leinster. But I still sit like the, the LaBelle try at the weekend, where he's rinsed Zebo. You know, you've got Untermack, you've got Dupont. You know, they have the capabilities to turn it on like no other team I think to lose at times and they also have the capability to implode and it, like, like we said about Leicester Leinster will create a lot of opportunities themselves by the way they play Toulouse have to take pretty much every opportunity because of how good Leinster are yeah I'm going Leinster Leinster by seven. Oh, by eight let's have a chat about the Challenge Cup quickly then Wasps and Saracens Goody yes two of my old teams Skippered, neither. Just to let you know, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's rewind the clock because hashtag Jim's team Robbed. always Edinburgh. 
only watched the highlights. So Let's go gonna, back. You're going to have to give me some details. Right, I'll give you some details. Because it was doing the rounds that Edinburgh have been absolutely mugged off at the damn health stadium. Yeah, the damn health. Well, let's go back to French referees again. And I'm going to be brutally honest. Pierre Brousset, who looks like Mr. Bean. You're allowed to say that because he just looks like him. Had a shocker. One of Wasp's tries, there was the biggest knock-on you've ever seen. I, I think it was Elliot Stook got the ball off Charlie Atkinson at 10. He needs to see your man as well, doesn't he? <laughs> Elliot Stook needs his lid doing. He's dropped it. It's bounced off a Edinburgh player back into the hands of a Wasp player. The most obvious knock-on ever. A referee's like, nah, bleh, 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 bleh. Wasp score two phases later. You're like, how's the TMO and the ref? What are they doing? If you're an Edinburgh fan, you're raging. The best team won. Again, you know, you can talk, it was a very close game. You can talk about refereeing decisions and all this stuff. The ref was shocking, lost control of it. At, at the end, Wasps are steaming over the try line from a driving line out five metres out. Edinburgh sack it a yard out. Player gets binned. It's got to be penalty try as well. No, no. No, not in the France. This is not fair. But Wasps were good enough to get the win. Bit of luck with some of the decisions. Again, absolute shit show at the breakdown, as you expect from a French referee. But it's not hashtag always Edinburgh anymore, Jim. It's hashtag always wasps. You take the piss out of wasps. I don't. And then we go up to Edinburgh and dust off your team. I don't. I feel for Edinburgh. They have got it up against them the next couple of weeks. So they've got to play. So you know the way that the Champions Cup unfolds, right? Yeah. So it's very from, complicated. So from the URC. From the URC, it's yeah. the winner of their plates or whatever, the yeah. little micro. Scotland and Italy. So a Welsh team effectively is going to be in the Champions Cup next yeah. year. They have to have one. So Edinburgh play Glasgow in a URC game to top to the To decide. Ball, to decide. And I mean, either way, one of them is going to Leinster, one of them is going to South Africa. So the URC, you could potentially <laughs> say, is done. But the big one is, is that game is to get into Europe. Yeah. And I just mentioned that, can you believe the Welsh teams are still in the Champions <laughs> Cup when they've done nothing? Still, you know, they don't deserve to be in yeah. the URC. But anyway, that's... Uh... Fast forward to the semi-finals, as you asked about, Andy Rowe. So Wasps are away at Leon. Yeah, tough. Seeing the size of that Leon team. Two or so, any team that two or so is in, he could absolutely destroy a team on his own. It is yeah, what's going to nick it? What's going to win? Yeah, I think. I think. Oh, what's Sarri's final? Here's one for you. Was imagine a Wasps versus Saracens final. In the words of Jim Hamilton, who got to do the Gloucester against Saracens quarter final, within ten seconds of being on air, you'd name drop the fact that you played for Saracens and won two Heineken Cups and finished your career there after three years and captain Gloucester for a year. Just to balance the books. I played at Saracens for 18 months and vice-captain Saracens. Yeah. And I played at Wasps for two years. I was definitely captain for about two minutes on the pitch after 13 other players went off injured. For you Wasps, want a job, so. don't you? Maybe I'm the man. I'm the man for that final. Probably not, though. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see a Wasps-Saracens final. Saracens were good, though, eh? Very good. Very good. Elliot Daly, double top. What about that throw in for line What about Billy? The old dinky does. <laughs> Billy's line out throwing. Uh, yeah, mate, have a 20 rest. odd carries. Elliot, how have you picked out Elliot Daly gone right? Who else can do it? Well, I think that it's put your hand up. Who wants it? <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That in a snapshot shows how comfortable it was. Yeah. Really. And the big talking point out of that game as a Gloucester fan yeah. was Jamie George not getting red carded. Red? Which was hard to go. Yeah, well, he made a high tackle, didn't he, on Reed when he, he came around back. the corner? Yeah, he was going backwards, though. He, he was, yes, and I agree that it's a yellow. But if you're a Gloucester fan. Mitigation. Timo Andy of here. Of course. I thought Frank Murphy dealt with it very well. He's coming does, of age. How good does Frank Murphy look Amazing. as a ref as well? Amazing. He's slightly bent over. I mean, we all are. We're bending over slightly at the neck, and that's age and also playing a contact sport. His teeth. He, I said to him before the game, you've had them. Teeth no. and lid. He said, no. He said he's had them straightened, Invisalign. Yeah. 
I mean, I was looking at my teeth. If you can look at your own teeth, the can you look at your own teeth or not? <laughs> in the mirror. Yeah, in the mirror. I, Unless I wonder if anyone massive, can look at their teeth. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Well, anyway, Frank Murphy's teeth looked unbelievable, and I agree it was a yellow card. Gloucester fans were not having it, but Saracens just complete domination. Yeah, it was a Saracens loving from your point of view, wasn't it? But that's you got thing. so much more love for Saracens than you have for <laughs> Gloucester. I was, I was Gloucester you captain. So, yeah, but you, you you hate them compared to Saracens. You're, hey, you're a, a Twitter troll like the rest of them. Calling me out. There was a, <laughs> I a said you were amazing, mate. I yeah, said I know, you were amazing. But in terms of the bias, you, you've got to go with the team that were best and uh, Saracens. Or paid were. you the most and a house. Yeah, you might have been right. Not the ass, but I might have got paid more. Sorry, I bet I've better player. The one bed flat. It's in sorry. the prime. Right, let's finish things off then. Goody with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, let's let's start off with the good then. And Christian Leleofano passed 1,000 points in Super Rugby this weekend. So a massive shout out to him with everything he's been through in terms of his health over the last few years. What an achievement that is. Tip the slipper to him, Jim. Yeah, absolutely. Great to see him back. Talking of elder statesmen, there's a shout out here for Colin Quigley. Remember him? Quiggers. Quiggers. No. No, you don't. Anyway, <laughs> he's a prop. You'd have played against him. Prop for Rotherham. You played at the shit games for... Bold lad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing here, but I actually, it's ringing the bell. Keep going. Yeah, so... Big uh, lad. He, he played for Rotherham for many, 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 many years. He turned 41 this week and finished his long and successful career. I say successful. He played at Rotherham. So um, he had a hell of a long career for Rotherham and he retired this week and his last ever act in retiring, was he won a penalty at scrum time, being a prop, and then with the last kick of the game, slots over the penalty. Nice. From his winning penalty at the scrum time. So shout out to Colin Quigley. Just Googled him. I do recognise him. Yeah. 41. He looks about 60. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so shout out to Colin Quigley. What else was good? Peter Omani. We spoke about him uh, in defeat. Sometimes you can play exceptionally well. On a team, actually, he was winning when he went off 24 14. feel like a loss no. when you lose on penalty kicks. Yeah, but he was outstanding, Omani. Four turnovers, a heroic performance, and man of the match as well. The next bit of good, we're going to start off playing a bit of try top trumps. We saw some unbelievable tries at the weekend. We're going to start off with Finn's effort. We had Finn Russell on, hell of an effort. He's volleyed it and he's probably just gone, yeah, everyone does it. You saw the advert from years ago when there's a volley and someone just goes, have it. And you just volley it as far as you. That's how that try started. He's volleyed it on the full, chased after it. And then the music comes on. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Bounces. Life is life. <laughs> da, da, da. Anyway, and he hacks it on, scores again. So uh, that was a pretty good try. That was topped by Lewis Reese Zamet's effort in the final throws oh, that was good. of the Gloucester game against Saracens. Their trousers were down, but Lewis Reese Zamet, oh my wheels. Ridiculously good. That was pretty special. That's topped by Mattis LaBelle's try for Toulouse. Malvaca with the old round the back and then Lavelle gets the ball and absolutely rinses Zebo in a phone box done him left step right step left step boom see you later Zebo a hell of a try to bring Toulouse back into the game we're going to top that on with Teddy Thomas's effort though ridiculous mm. again from the magic man Finn Russell is this the order you're going in the order right? yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. yeah there's yeah. a crescendo I like there's it. a big crescendo so this is try top trumps They've all been topped by one another at the moment. Oh, Teddy Thomas's okay. try was pretty special. The skill on the edge kept his foot in by about a, a Nats whisker or a Nats bollock. Can you say that? Well, I've never seen one, so I wouldn't know. I'd go. say it, but I don't know if it's true. Well, I've just said it. So that was a hell of an effort. But the winner of Top Trump of tries this week has to go to Henry Arundel. The Scotsman. He, is, he is Scottish. 
He qualifies for Scotland. If you want to see the hate on Twitter with people, just as in a throwaway saying he's Scottish and he's going to play in the top 14 anyway. Sorry, I don't want to <laughs> lose his moment here. Anyway, Harry Arundel's effort, 114 metres he went on the zigzag and the roundabouts and the step. What about the step at the end when he's just squared up that last defender, stepped off one, stepped off the other, and then accelerated again. So, hell of an effort from Henry Arundel, 114 metres. I don't think I ran that far in my whole career, but there we go. What a try that was. It doesn't win the good though, because this will surprise How? you. How does he not? This best I don't know. This, this will surprise you. Well, let's go. There's a theme to this one. French ruggers are going to get the good this really? week. Really? Yeah. Not referees. because that French you... rugby okay. is going to get the good this week. Basically, Six Nations Grand Slam champions, we know about that. But in the Euro semi-finals, they have five out of the eight teams. Tell the salary cap that. Well, that tell the money that. They've no got... wonder they have. <laughs> They've got a salary cap there, though. Apparently. But yeah, massive shout out to French Rugby. They win the Goud this week. They've got Toulouse. They've got La Rochelle. They've got Racing 92. They've got Lyon and Toulon all in the semi-finals. Five out of eight. Actually, sod that. I'm giving it to Henry Arundel for his try. Oh, <laughs> I was going to nice. be nice and give it to the French. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't Where's do the it. Money? I couldn't do it. So the Goud this week goes to Henry Arundel for try of the century, as I put on Twitter, and went absolutely viral. It, it did. I posted, I posted a minute after you, but because I retweeted the guy and the South African account that posted it, mine didn't go viral. Because you copy and pasted the picture, you smart man, you. So anyway, the goo this week goes to Henry Arundel. The bad, a few bits of bad. We're going to start off with our friends. I don't think they're our friends anymore. The Dragons. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the Dragons. They're in it again. They shipped 50 points versus the Ospreys. And that's bad, right? But the fact is, they were 24 points to eight up and ended up losing 50 points to 31. I think Luke Narraway must have said something at 24-8 up and it all went Pete Tong. <laughs> and they've ended up... Blame the ref. ...conceding 50. <clears throat> so, uh, the Dragons have won two out of 20 games What's this season. What's the point? I mean, well, we'll get to that in a minute as well. What is the point? So, that's pretty bad. Melbourne Rebels get a mention in the bad this week. They conceded 47 points in the first half versus the Blues in Super Ruggers. How good are the Blues, Andy Rowe, your team? They're not my team. Oh, how good are they? They, won't, they won't win the comp. Crusaders yeah. will win the comp. We'll see. Anyway, they eventually lost 71 points to 28, reminiscent of one of Jim Hamilton's last ever games. 70 points at the Rico Arena. Well, it Jim? was 60. But, <laughs> there yeah. we go. Anyway, the Melbourne Rebels, they get a mention the bad this week. Second most points conceded in the first half of a Super Touch game ever. Didn't see it. Uh, what else is bad? Mark Tainton gets a mention in the bad this week. He's stepping down as Bristol's CEO. Why is that bad? Well, uh, after the salary cap issues that they had. Um, Where? When? Have I, what have I missed? Well, they had issues. They had to have a bit of a, a fire sale of players. Basically, remember when everyone tried to get around the salary cap by offering extensions to players? No, I don't know. During the pandemic. Know. Well, basically, they did all that and they forgot that they'd had some players with a date where... If it's past that date, an extra year on the contract automatically kicks in. And they had five or six players that they didn't want to keep at the club that had that year extension that Mark Tainton apparently forgot about. Oh, gosh. So they've had to get rid of a load of players to stay under the salary cap. And they've got to keep players they didn't even want to keep. <laughs> so Do we know the players? I don't, I'm not going to name names. But anyway, he's, he's leaving at the end of the season. Did not know that was personal the reason. Good reason, intel. For personal reasons, apparently. Admin. Um, I blame the wife. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, she That's does it. the admin. There you go. So Mark Tainton gets uh, mentioned the bad this week. But the bad this week, it's got to go French refereeing. Absolutely. I mean, ear, ear. How do you say that in French? Diabolical. Wee, wee. Wee, 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 wee. Mathieu Reynaud and Pierre Brousset. Shocking. Um, thank goodness that we've got five French teams in the semi-finals. 
and hopefully we won't get a French referee if Wasps and Saracens win their semi-finals because in reality in the Champions Cup you can't have a French referee in the final now because one of the French teams is going to be there but they might do that just because they listen to this just to spite us there you go some proper bad referee and poor showings from those two absolute cowboys for referees yeah absolute hillbillies can you say that yeah so French referees they get the bad this week the ugly well friend of the show Jim your friend oh god I've got lots of friends Eben Etzebeth what? He's in the ugly, but it's not his fault. Oh, I know what you're going August with this. Augustin why are you pulling his lid for? Never touch the lid. Yeah, I mean, well, I what never... else are you going to pull? Well, I know what you could pull, but <laughs> I wouldn't. You wouldn't pull Ebenezer Bethair, would you? No, I don't like air pulling anyway. Why? Horrific. So Augustin Creevy gets a mention in the ugly this week for pulling Etzebeth's hair. He's my uh, mate, Eben. You don't do that. No, Not that I can do about it, but... You don't. You but don't. going back to what you said earlier, the ugly this week goes to Welsh rugby. And it, they might have a point now you said it. Well, you said about the Dragons, what's the point? Well, no, there is no point. <laughs> no, where are you going with it? Well, the ugly this week goes to Welsh rugby again. All the drama and rumours of one of the four regions being cut again. And Jim Hamilton has just voted for the region that he wants to get rid of. The Dragons, right? Oh, I'm, you said what's the point, so that's what I'm going oh, with. I put my name to it, I'm happy. Lower down the leagues, you've got Pontypool calling for the entire Welsh Rugby Union Community Game Board to resign after Bedo... I presume that's how you pronounce it, uh, reportedly refused to fulfil a fixture against them and they've accused the WIU of unforgivable ineptitude. And they say it's lost complete control of its ability to govern the game. So from Jim Hamilton wanting rid of the Dragons and getting... With no substance apart from them being crap. (laughs) Yeah. To Welsh rugby just going after itself from the inside to the outside. It's a bit of a shambles. Jim said it earlier. I can't believe there's a Welsh team that's going to be in the Champions Cup as well. Welsh rugby, you're just getting the ugly this week. <laughs> Thanks, Cody. And you guys have got a couple of shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, we've got a few this week. And we've got a big shout-out to Rudy. He's an eight-year-old lad. He's from Portobello in Edinburgh. And it's a sad one. He's currently battling a grade four aggressive brain tumour. And we're looking to help raise funds for Rudy to get him some much-needed treatment. So seven colleagues from Edinburgh's Police Public Protection Unit are doing 100 push-ups each and every day for the month of May. And you can find out more if you search for the big push for Rudy on the GoFundMe page. We're thinking about you, Rudy, and your family as well. I think we should do that as well, 100 press-ups a day for Rudy. Andrew, if you, can, if, you, if you can do 100 press-ups, I'll do them for well, Rudy as well. I probably can't, but I want to give it a go. That's okay. what I'm saying. All right. So for Rudy, we'll join in. 100 press-ups. Only problem is we're 10 days into May. We've got some catching up to do oh, then. <laughs> 21 days left of All the right. month. Okay, let's do it. We'll yeah. do it. 100 right, press-ups then. a day. We're, we're in for Rudy. How yeah, many that... can you do at the moment? Three, I reckon, on his knees. Do you not remember Rugby Pass? I, I do. I, the live Andrew, show. Andrew, you're a freak of nature, both to look at, but also... <laughs> When it comes to these challenges, can, I'm talking you up here. I can bounce off the belly, man. You can. I mean, there's a bit more weight and look, let's do it. Yeah. We'll the big push for Rudy, that is. Certainly. A massive shout out as well goes to Alan Glenn's RFC up in Scotland. It's always Scotland people. They love the it. Scotland clubs. They love they it. They like you. Hi, Scotland. Anyway, Alan Glenn's RFC up in Scotland who have been promoted to the National Leagues after missing out last season and to Cheltenham Tigers women's team who have just won the championship in an unbeaten season. And to Cornwall, under-20s, a.k.a. Colin Hatch's Barmy Army, who won the Jason Leonard under-20s county championship for the very first time on Sunday. So, uh, well done, lads, and well done, ladies. Yeah, we've got another shout-out to the ladies as well, and it's the Mighty Wellin Warriors under-13 girls team and their head coach, Martin. They've just ended the season undefeated. We've also got a shout-out to the under-12s, the Oxford Harlequins. Bloody love the Harlequins. And they've won the Leicester Tigers Challenge Rugby Festival at Minehead. 
this weekend. Hell of a place mine had, wouldn't they, with the Kofskins once for a weekend. Oh, geez, what place got like? absolutely trashed. That's all <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, and a final big shout out to Stu Cross, who is in the Yorkshire Regiment, and they are the Army Rugby Champions this year. He's played for the Army against the Navy a few times, but didn't make the cut this year. And he's getting married this weekend, so a big shout-out to him. Good luck, Stu. Just do as you're told and get married. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tristan. And thank you very much for listening as well. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. We back, baby. Rugby spot. We back. Spotted pod, 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 pod. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like... Can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans at Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.